Welcome to Stepside with Joel Johnson and me, Matt Howie. Each week we talk about truck news, truck-related items, our favorite trucks, everything trucks. Trucks, trucks, trucks. Let's go. It's Trucktober March 25th, 2022. Uh, so much news in the last 8 to 10 days since we last recorded. I've got to start with the biggest news in all of trucks. Some guy had his Silverado knocked over by a tornado and it was awesome. It's great to start a podcast with something that you really need to see a video for, but <laughs> totally, totally randomly, there was a man in Fort Worth, there was a storm chaser, which is why somebody saw this and they had a whole camera rig. And it turns out a young 16 year old named Riley Leon was driving a Chevy Silverado, got hit by a tornado, kicked onto his side, spun around a few times and then it pushed him right at the last second back onto all four wheels and guess what matt the <laughs> like Silver a rock drove away <laughs> like a rock like a really light rock that could be pushed around by wind that truck drove away so of course as of today on the, the day that we are recording chevy announced that they are going to be giving Riley Leon a brand new 2022 Chevy Silverado to replace the one that was damaged apparently according to this story that I saw on Facebook like on their Chevy PR account they said that the truck was damaged and they're giving him a new one I would actually like to see the other truck I looked ahead of time it to didn't see. look that bad so I saw this as a viral video right with no backstory now that it's 16 year old driving it makes so much sense because when I saw it, I went, "Who? why in the fuck are you driving? Like, who would do that what kind of idiot? 16-year-old would always do that. That's an idiot. Especially just coming uh, home from getting a burger. Makes total sense. I did, yes, that was the part I was like, we almost <laughs> buried the lead that he was on his way home from Whataburger. Uh, <laughs> a very Texas story. And I salute <laughs> Riley Leon for keeping keeping chill. And now he's going to be rewarded uh, for with yeah, a brand and- new shiny... Silver it out. had minimal damage. I've seen rollovers. They look a lot worse than that. Like, yeah, it looked pretty good. Uh, well, it I wasn't think... a rollover. It was a tip over right. and then a twist. That's a different, that's a different. Yeah. Move. Yeah. I just thought it would crush the A pillars and the mirrors and like deform the roof. And it didn't look that bad. It just looked. Rock, baby. Yeah. <laughs> you drive away. It's always a good look for, for a vehicle. Nikola is back under new ownership and says they have a full EV semi truck that is doing testing now and they're going to give it a shot. They also had mentioned, which I think is if they can pull it off, they're also talking about because the original plan was that it was going to be a hydrogen fuel cell, you know, like setup. And so they are saying they may do hydrogen again, but I I just want to want to put a little pin in here to be like, okay, you guys are back now and everything's good. We'll check in later, but you know, salute to the folks at Nikola for trying to salvage that one. Nikola is the NFT of electric EV brands. The truck that they made the video to call out the haters to say it does run, and it turned out it, they just pushed a semi down a hill and filmed <laughs> yeah. it. So they, they have a big hole to crawl out of, but we'll see. In other EV truck news, uh, the Ford, I think it must have come out from Ford. I actually saw it on the drive that there was an F-150 lightning tow test. This was actually, no, not, no, no, no slamming the drive here, but it was actually like a, I was looking for something in the story that was going to tell me that it, like what the range might be or anything, but apparently Ford didn't say anything, yeah. uh, but they had taken the truck up the Ike Gauntlet, which is uh it's a 
section of I-70, you, anybody can go drive it, but it has a, a, a big climb up and then a big climb down. I think it goes up to like 12,000 feet and it towed the, the lightning towed 10,000 pounds, which in truck land is middle of the road, maybe even on the light side, but it apparently did do it. But pretty big. Man, no, ten, look, I mean, it's the difference between what can big trucks do? You yeah. Know, you've got tucks these uh, trucks these days, uh, you know, the 3,500s and F-350s yeah. of the world that are like 25, 30,000 uh, pound tow range or tow capability. But in real life, what do you need? 10,000 is actually like pretty good yeah, and pretty useful. pretty good. But we got to see the range. I'm very curious. These things are uh, about to come out. In the small print, it said 128 miles. Was that the total range? Have you seen the the TFL truck guys in Colorado have taken a Rivian with, God, I don't know how many pounds they put on it, 5,000 to 7,000 pounds? They had like a 100-mile range, and like they actually had trouble filming it because they were like the hill was 30 miles from where they started, so they had to like charge it up and go up. The surprising thing was on the downhill, it only gained like 5%, and it was like, a 10 mile 5% grade, you know, you'd think you'd add 10% or 20% or something, but I think it added two or 3%. It was, it's kind of, I have um, not, I have not seen the TFL videos. I know there was a Rivian employee. If I'm telling the story correctly, that moved from Detroit to LA or wherever Rivian's trying to be based. Uh, Irvine. You brought the towed his Mustang. And I think he said he had to do like, a dozen or more stops on the way for charging. Yeah. I mean, the, the, this this is the deal. It's physics. You can't oh, run away from electric. Physics. Electric trucks are not good for towing, and they're not yeah. going to be for the foreseeable future for anything distance. And that's fine. Like they're yeah. great in so many other ways. And for most people, most people don't use their trucks to tow anyway. You know, it's it's not that big of a deal. But also, like, let's be real. If you're actually hauling around a lot of toys, or it's a work truck where you got to tow a, a, a trailer for something. You're not going to be buying an EV if you're crossing the state line or county line, probably. But I, you know, they're they're getting them out there. They're testing them. They're showing they can do it. And I'm sure as soon as the reviews come out, there's going to be a bunch of people that are going to say, you know, all right, this thing has 300 miles of range without a towing, and it's got 100 whatever it's going to have. 100. <laughs> yeah, I'll be surprised if it's 150. Yeah. But yeah, that, that that's where it'll get. I think it went down to only about 250, which doesn't sound right to me. But whatever. I don't buy that. I yeah, just I I, I'd be sh- I'd be shocked. And and I am a little shocked too. Uh, you know, I think everybody, and by everybody, I mean people who are not vehicle engineers like us, like just dumb idiots. I think everybody had presumed that the regenerative braking in EVs would be, especially with the inertial yeah, additional 10, weight of a trailer. You. Yeah. Yeah. That's that, that the constant braking that you're probably going to have to do, I presume EV, and this is actually a good question. I don't know the answer. I presume EV vehicles don't have a way to do like an engine braking equivalent but now that i say oh it, no that's how do. regen works yeah no i've had a I had well a, i mean they, it does it with it's the brake itself is activate i mean yeah i guess you know what i mean yeah, regen, that's what would it, yeah, the equivalent would be yeah regen is uh typically like a engine brake and like i had a bmw i3 at least for a couple of years to test out the waters five years ago and it, it was terrible i mean it was a cool car made of carbon fiber but it was terrible because it only got like 70 yeah. miles on a charge i love which... the design of those things it's one of my all-time <laughs> favorites but yeah, oh, i hate movie. i hate i hate uh cars that mess with the belt line and that one's all over the place and wacky 
but it's regen was insane. Like, you know, I would climb a hill and eat up 10% of the battery, but coming down, I would recapture, I mean, several percent on, you know, one mile of downhill. That's why like a big ass truck with a giant battery skateboard at the bottom and 10,000 pounds behind it, you'd think it could regen, you know, quite a bit, but I don't know. You know, I, since I've already exposed to everyone how little I actually know how the <laughs> physics of these things work. But I do wonder if it is possible since a lot of the tuning for how the drivetrain and the and the motors actually operate is possible to do after the vehicle's been built. I wonder if there is is if there could be improvements over time so that they can, you know, adjust the amount of like uh, Yeah, I'm not a vehicle regeneration that's happening. I don't know. I think You're the not- regen I think the regen is pretty steady and good, but people hate it. So the BMW i3 came from the factory with like one pedal driving as the default and there was no way to turn it off and people hated it, but you get used to it in like 10 minutes. But every reviewer would complain about it. So, you know, the creep factor, people like to like, you know, take their brake foot off the brake a little bit at green lights and stuff. And they don't want it to take off and they don't want it to sit still. Like I would say after the first wave of EVs, like they've pretty much turned off, you know, automatic regen. You kind of have to go into settings to enable it. You know, you really have to want to have one pedal driving. So I don't think the regen can change much. I think it's Perception, people come from gas cars. They kind of want the EV to act like a gas car. Like a friend got a, what, the VW, the, the, like the GTI, the Golf. Like he got an EV Golf four or five years ago, and he was like stoked because it, it like creeped and crawled and acted exactly like a gas car, but did like zero regen from hmm. in the default settings. I got to drive an EV truck this week that we'll talk about later. And, <laughs> and the regen and pedal feel was was definitely something I noticed. But we'll we'll get to that in a second because we have something more important to talk about. The factory in Japan that currently or used to build the Mitsubishi uh, Pajero? Pajero? I don't know if I've ever actually said that out loud. I Their think- old 4x4 Land Cruiser alike has been bought by a new owner a company called Dio, and it'll now make toilet paper. And isn't that, isn't that beautiful? It, it, it once, it once made trucks and now it will make toilet paper and other paper products, sanitary paper products, including facial tissue. Mitsubishi, I don't know that much about as a company and certainly on a truck side of things. I got one friend that has a, uh, a, a pretty nice, oh my gosh, I'm forgetting actually what it is. I'm spacing on the name. A Montero? Yeah. Andrew, that's what... <laughs> Andrew, Andrew Collins of the Drive has, I believe, what is a second generation Montero. Super sharp design. It's actually underrated you know, as how you know, pretty those trucks are. But Lil I have no Nas, idea if it's good or not. Lil Nas X named his album Montero because that was just his his goal was to someday buy one like two or three years ago. Like that was, that's how like meager. Is that is. the is this story? He seriously said, yeah, I just named after like a car I hope to one day buy, which is like it's pretty mid, mid-range, mid you know. <laughs> yeah, it's, car. it's a ground, grounded dude. I mean, good for yeah. I, there's, I, I'm like hesitating because I sound like I'm being sarcastic, but I mean this 100% serious. This guy it's, seems good. They retired the Pajero just this year or last year? Yeah, I believe. I mean, Mitsubishi as a company is is just kind of barely hanging on. The last that I have heard, <laughs> they'd had a fair amount of success, at least within the U.S. with the Outlander, which they had rebooted as a crossover, not a body on frame. That's uh, still there. Truck. 
and they're not that good from anything I've heard. They're kind of shoddily put together, but they were one of the cheapest vehicles you could get. And they were also very available from, they, they were kind of taking anybody, they would finance anybody. So, yeah, you know, I, I don't have a big brand affinity with Mitsubishi. They've, they, they've had good stuff, I guess, but they've never been a major presence in the U S so I've never, I've never really, Didn't they, you know, did they do the Evo? Who the hell did the Evo rally car? That, that's right yeah the the mitsubishi legacy evos and yeah, i can't believe they, you know, they don't that, make it anymore Jeez. they also they were back in the day they had made the uh all-wheel drive like what what was here the eagle talon and then there was the mitsubishi eclipse which was a, oh right right you know, right a fast and furious car and cool, <laughs> yeah, cool, yeah. cool little turbocharged all-wheel drive cars for the time but wow they something still, happened they make a plug-in hybrid outlander i had no idea when i was at that auto show a few weeks ago we turned a corner me and a friend and we're like oh my god they're like there were only two mitsubishis and it was like big banners and stuff and they had two cars and i was like wow they still sell these in america unbelievable and it was an outlander I feel else. guilty now. I'm gonna in between episodes. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go bone up on Mitsubishi. I want to know what's actually happening because I just you know, remember the cool you. boxy trucks of the '80s that they made that friends had. They're sharp, but I never knew if they were good or not. I never heard. I think they were just cheap and good, like a like <laughs> one. Like I think they're one step above like a Suzuki Samurai in America. You know, like what we uh, think well, of that. Which is, I think, put a pin in that because the <laughs> Suzuki Samurai rules. And I know it's a badass car. It's a badass car, especially today. But back then, people just like shit on it as like the cheapest, you know, lowest end sort of thing. And I think Mitsubishi was like one step above that. In uh, van news, I saw from a story on Overland Expo or, or their sub brand or sub blog, I think called the Compass, that Mercedes has announced that they're ditching a proper, well, air quotes, proper four by four system in the Sprinter. And for the next generation Sprinter, uh, which I believe will be a 2023 model, they're switching to an all wheel drive system and uh, nine speed transmission. And it, I don't know if this is global. Now that I'm talking about it, I probably should have uh, looked. <laughs> yeah, the four cylinder. Is, oh, wait, is this a, yeah, it's a four cylinder. So right now in uh, Sprinter land, they have small gas engines at the smallest capability side is i think they call them a 1500 i don't know if that's a global name uh, over here they call them 1500. well all the big sprinters are diesels here but they had two different diesels like a small one and a big one but the big one was like 90 percent of sales i Got think it. i think the four might only be in like the metris like the smaller like minivan ish size but well from now on they're gonna all be four cylinders diesel and gas it looks like and I was I was shocked when I was looking at some of the stats because they, you know, of course, they said the thing that, hey, these four cylinders are going to be even more powerful than our old six cylinder engines. And I was like, all right, you know, there's lots of very powerful four cylinder engines out right now. And uh, I went and looked what the, the horsepower of the yeah, current 4500 is. And it's the six cylinder diesel and it's 188 horsepower. That doesn't uh, seem so, right. That doesn't feel right. So I just sold my Sprinter. So I had a 2012 Sprinter. For a few years i bought it right before the pandemic started and then sold it geez just a few weeks ago because we just like we're using it less and less it was weird it was like our third car then it was our fourth or fifth car and we would just drive it once a month to i mean it is great to go to ikea or costco or i mean you can buy anything you could buy literally almost anything anyone sells i was fitting like 14 foot lumber and this is like a short wheelbase high roof one 
But so those things are famously like the diesel engines. I got rid of it also because it was a maintenance nightmare. It would run like a top for a year and then check engine light and I would check the code and it would be some obscure, you know, intake sensor isn't great. And I'd take it to this, you know, specialized diesel mechanics. And I mean, you know, three to $5,000 was normal for like talking to those guys. And so I had two giant surprises in the last couple of years where it's like $5,000 repair bills because something went out. So I I feel like the big V6 was doing like maybe 230 horsepower or so, but it felt it felt very, very car-like for, you know, three ton, three and a half ton thing. The brakes well, you know, the a, old ones. A, a diesel, a, traditional diesel engines are not high horsepower. No, there's high, high torque. High torque solution. Yeah. And yeah, so I, I believe and it they was, say 180 was a, horsepower. It's probably yeah, it was a pretty, I mean, it was tuned down because it got, you know, mine with a bunch of shit in it got 20, 21 miles a gallon, which is, you know, great for a brick moving through the air, you know. But yeah, I think... The all-wheel drive system. The other thing you came up with the that they're going to make a limited slip. Someone's made a limited slip differential for sprinters is this is groundbreaking. So like I had a two-wheel drive sprinter and I was also like a bike racer and, and sprinters are like the dream vehicle for bike racing. And when you go to a bike race, you'll see, I mean, it's like a truck show. Like you'll see 30 of them outfitted in all sorts of ways. But at the end of bike races, when I was cleaning up courses, and volunteering, we had to push so many sprinters off a flat grass field. Like the two wheel drive <laughs> sprinter on street tires is garbage. You know, there's no locking diffs. There's no one's ever made like an air. The ARB has never made like a locker for it. There's just nothing. If you don't have a four wheel drive one, you would, I mean, they would get stuck constantly just because it rained in Portland and it's on a grassy field and you'd get 10 people to push it across the field till it um, got some traction. So they're famous for being terrible at that stuff. And I put like KO2s on mine to make up for it because I was spinning out on like gravel roads if, you know, there's any sort of incline. So an LSD for a limited slip diff, locking diff, something like that would be groundbreaking. I'm glad someone finally did it. And they even did it for the new model and the older model. I know a guy who in Idaho made a business doing the very first sprinters that came to America, like the 98 to like 2006 models. And he took mm -hmm. all the guts out of a Mercedes, what, like the ML class, like SUV. He'd take out all the all-wheel drive components of that and wedge them in. He, he could make a two-wheel drive spinner into a four-wheel drive because they were just off-the-shelf parts and they bolted in and stuff. But I think it was three to 5000 to do that. But so with the, the model that came out in 2007, you see everywhere, and the new 2019 one, which is like every uh, FedEx truck today, those have just never had anything for it. But... The thing that killed me was, I mean, this is just Sprinter van life, hashtag. It doesn't surprise me. They're charging 7500 bucks for it with the install, which is kind of insane. But like the Sprinter world, I found out every, I mean, like shelves in a Sprinter can cost. You know, I bought a metal shelf on sale that was like $600 normally. It's literally just a metal shelf that fits perfectly in some like unused headroom space. But like, I don't think 7500 bucks for a small company that's making yeah. this, you know, fairly specific product and certainly one that also has to hold up to a lot of stress. I don't think that's crazy. I, just, I do, just, but the flip yeah. side is like, is 7,500 bucks going to make your, is it going to help 7,500 bucks worth? And <laughs> yeah. You know, I that that's a hard question. I mean, I, yeah, I, the tool the tool drive is famously terrible at everything. So this could be, but why would you? I would 
I would spend, I mean, five to 10 grand is usually the premium you spend to get a four, four wheel drive of the old sprinters. So like, well, I have a question for you because I, every once in a while, you know, uh, like you are in your, in your group of friends, it's like, I'll have a lot of friends that are not car or truck people. They either want one of two things. They're like, what car should I buy? I say they should buy a Mazda and then they buy a Subaru. That's one, <laughs> one track. And then the other is uh, somebody, cause people know I have had camper vans and, and off-road campers. They'll say, I want to buy an old Sprinter. Yeah. and 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 convert it into a, a camper van and i always Ooh. say don't because they're <laughs> overpriced and from everything i've heard they are a bear to keep running and but now you know when i'm saying that i'm like i've never owned one and i you know i know you i know a couple other people that have had them, but i don't have like a you know statistical thing but with you know it having one and being part of some of those communities like would you ever recommend that somebody buy a sprinter over a transit or you know i'm trying to think of another similar band. oh that's the dodge one that shape the dodge yeah, pro master. right that's right the pro master yeah so yeah like i owned a bmw 10 years ago once because i thought i was gonna die and i was in the hospital and had a tumor in my brain and things like that but i wanted to know what a luxury car was like before i died so i as soon as i got out of the hospital I bought a BMW X5 diesel that was fun, but like I realized, you know, why BMWs come with a four year all inclusive sort of thing was like the moment that vaporized after four years. I mean, you know, brakes were 2,500 bucks to do a brake job, like an oil change was $350 or something. And I vowed to myself, I'm never buying a German car ever again. Like that was fun and, but incredibly stupid and then you know i don't know i think i believe too much of the hype on forums that people are like you know fedex drives these things for four or five hundred thousand miles and amazon and everybody else in delivery and you know they're all over the world they've been all over the world for 20 30 years you know they're so ubiquitous there's so many mechanics it's these things are like new york city cabs you know super trustworthy but I mean all the parts are expensive and the diesel mechanics that specialize them charge a lot so I would say after owning one, like, yeah, it was more of a fantasy of what I bought, you know, how many, how many trips, you know, I was thinking about this because I saw some like bike racing friends started like a sprinter rental service where they outfitted maybe five or six vans, you know, someone got like a half a million dollars to risk on this. And, you know, they bought stripped vans and they made them really nice and they, but they charged like 300 or 400 a day. And I was mm -hmm. like, God, that seems steep. Like, I would have guessed maybe 150 a day, 200 maybe, but they were like close to 500 a day. And I was like, well, if you went on one trip a year, I mean, but still you got to drive an hour to go pick it up. And like their chart, you know, I was like, is it worth spending 2,500 bucks, you know, like to borrow a van for a week or should you just buy one for, you know, 50 or something. And then I realized, <laughs> you know, when I had one, I could go out as much as I wanted. You know, we went on two major camping trips in a couple of years. Like it was during COVID, you know, they kind of closed all the parks around here and you weren't allowed to camp. And then for about a year, they closed all the bathrooms at all the parks. And the only point of, you know, going to a campground is so you have showers and toilets that flush and stuff you, and there's yeah a, no you, because you of love COVID. taking a shit in a cat in a, in a yeah it's one thing you've always said to me <laughs> so they like you know they put yellow tape across the doors for god at least a year into the pandemic which is terrible policy looking backwards with hindsight the breaking point was two years into owning it i went out to start it to use it for some errand and i had 
<laughs> hadn't started it in three and a half months or something. I hadn't driven it in two or three months, and the batteries were both batteries were dead, and the like battery safety system had broken, and like it was so dead I couldn't even revive the battery. So that was like eight hundred bucks to get two new batteries plus the battery minder <sighs> and like. Like, and I was like, you know what? <laughs> I mean, if I'm not driving it once every two months, that's pretty bad. And it's worth 50 grand and sitting, you know, on the side of my barn, I should fucking sell it. So yeah, I would say, I mean, I think van, van stuff is just hyped so much by Instagram and stuff. The reality of it is, yeah, they're kind of expensive to own. It is yeah, like, I, I, on the West coast. Like I have some like hardcore camping friends and it is insane. They have seven thousand reminders on every system they use because you have to like do you want to go camping sorry you can't you should have thought that nine months ago is kind of like everything in oregon is booked six to nine months in advance and you have to like yeah like i have a friend who just every monday morning when he gets to work it's like eight to nine a.m on monday he's making camping reservations for nine months in the future so he can camp every single weekend but it requires so much insane planning like that this summer we were thinking of uh, going to a place we took the sprinter to every summer and it's like because we're thinking of it four months in advance, it wasn't enough. And like every single camp spot in July was gone. It like, is a really weird thing happening in the pandemic, which I, you know, am turning into an old man about, which is that a lot of the things I have done for fun for the last 20 years are really popular now. Yeah. And instead of feeling cool about that, I am very frustrated because especially here on the East Coast, you know, I, I I'm only so sympathetic to your problems in Oregon on the West Coast, because at least you have BLM land, you have deserts, mm -hmm. you have these giant open places that at least, you know, you may not be a campground, but you could probably get out and do some fun stuff. Since I moved back to New England and in, in, into the East Coast, where there is the only state lands and federal lands that are available, there is no OHV allowed, like, but nevertheless, we're having the same problem here, which is that you just can't get into a place. Like it's months and months and months out. And so like on one hand, it's awesome. More people should be outdoors. I'm very much just like I am on hunting. I believe the more you do it, the more you kind of tend to err towards conservation because mm -hmm. you want to protect it. And you, you know, and, and that's part of what makes the United States so great is our, you know, all of the, the protections that we do usually for the outdoor spaces, but man, like it is hard to get in into stuff. And I would also say too, with your friends that are renting vans out to people like 350 bucks, 400 bucks, like insurance, I'm sure is insane to try to, yeah. you know, properly insure some crazy, you know, <laughs> crazy person <laughs> from the city who's like, I want to take a van out for the weekend. And it's like, oh boy. That's what I learned when I sold it. The guy said, hey, what kind of crazy insurance do you have? And I go, oh, God, I don't know. And I looked it up, and I had default insurance on the Kelly Blue Book value of the van, which was 12 to 15 grand was all it was worth 10 years into owning it. I mean, being 10 years old, even though, you know, I was I sold it for over 40K. <laughs> so, like I told him, just get a weird $50,000 policy if you feel nervous about, you know, it getting stolen and you getting screwed. I would love for us to maybe even do a whole episode, a mini-sode about van life and van camping because yeah. we both we both had vans. When I was out there in Oregon, when I lived an hour away from you, I had briefly, and I don't even know if I even ever showed you, but I had a sportsmobile, which was, I had an Econoline-based sportsmobile. Nice. It was only two-wheel drive. It wasn't one of the, the Quigley 4x4 conversions, which was my only profitable car 
I've ever bought and flipped because I bought it for like $5,000 from a woman whose husband had passed away and she just wanted to get it off her, you know, property. Oh, wow. and, and it was like, I, I didn't screw her over. Like it was, a, <laughs> that's what she was asking for, but you know, and it was a little broken, but nothing I couldn't fix. And I think I sold that thing a year or two later for 15, you know, nice. $16,000. But it also, you know, it's like in some ways I truly missed that van for what it was and the convenience of being able to pull somewhere and pop the top and have all your stuff inside. But it isn't very fun to drive. And I also have gone to Overland Expos and hung out with other sportsmobiles guys, guys that have four by four Econo lines, which are frankly way better off road than any of the sprinters are. And they're, they're still not that great. So, yeah, you know, yeah. the, the whole van life thing, I'm, I'm, I'm <laughs> for it, but it has definitely become a thing. And yeah, we should talk about that at some point because I have <laughs> yeah, even definitely. more thoughts than that. But I want to save the time because I have a new segment that I don't have a name for, but I think you could call it, let me run your company for you. <laughs> let, let this guy who is really bad at business give you business ideas. But... I came up with a brilliant idea the other day that I'm pretty sure I stole from somebody else, but I couldn't remember where I saw it. Chevy is having problems getting EVs out the door, General Motors in general. They're, they're yeah. finally getting there. I was almost even going to talk about the Equinox EV, which got announced, which is not a truck. It's a crossover, just a little runabout, but it looks good. And they're going to call it, or I think it's going to be 300 miles of range for $30,000, you know, starting price. Like they're getting it figured out finally. And, oh, and also I didn't even write it in our show notes, but if you want to go out right now, there's a bunch of people, they finally were testing the EV Hummer, which I don't oh, have God. much to say about, but if you want to look at it, like people have, you know, gotten it, but here's the phrase that I want to get into Mary Barra's head. And I think it'll make her billions of dollars. And I know, and I know she listens. You the bolt. What if? Brilliant. Okay, we're 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 all, we're over here. You just I'm all love in. Maverick. You love the Maverick. Yeah, yeah you the, the bolt. I'm a hundred percent in. That is yes. You got it. Does it? It can just be the same bolt. You've already got all the tooling and stamping. Yeah. You've got the powertrain. You don't need to move them to this new Ultium powertrain. Nobody's really buying bolts because they've had a ton of problems, yeah. but they probably haven't figured it out. Chop That's the so back off of it. Put a truck bed on it. You, Done the bolt. Just that's my presentation. Baja, Subaru Baja bolt. Yes. Right. What is the difference between the bolt EV and the bolt EUV? Is like six inches of rear seat headroom. Like, why did they even? Make yeah, it's just a slightly larger. I wasn't. Uh, they should so, have retired you know, the original bolt and just made the EUV the only bolt, like the new bolt. We, dumbass. Oh. We won't talk about this on <laughs> in detail on this podcast because this is a truck podcast. But I actually was involved, you know, I, in just like an marketing and uh, PR way in the launch of the bolt. So I I have a lot of affinity for that for that car, but I also have the scorned lover thing of like, I really wanted them to go even harder into V EV off the back of that first bolt. And then they kind of, they, they spun out for various reasons, none of which I'm privy to, but just as a customer, it's like, yeah, it took them a bolt, a, five a or bolt, six years to get yeah. it. The bolt was like, but I think a bolt is yeah. good. Yeah. Yeah. Bolt. Yeah. You, the bolt not, is not great. They're fine, yeah. but, but they've got it. They need to get some more units out. Everybody's having problems making vehicles right now. Yeah. Cut the back of it, back of it off. You've got an instant Maverick fighter. Instant but it's an EV. sales. Instant fucking instant sales. Instant sales. 
This is yeah. the future. You the bolt. So you know what? We'll revisit it after Mary reaches out to me, and we'll <laughs> we'll, we'll see. We'll, maybe yeah. we'll have her on to talk through it. Yeah, that'll be great. Uh, so tell tell uh, me about this Rivian. I gotta hear all about this. So a friend of mine, I'm I'm back in Kansas City where my friends and family live because I lived here for uh, a part of my childhood. Well, I don't know why I didn't say like this is where I'm from, but it's <laughs> where I'm from Kansas City. So. A friend of mine has a Rivian and he actually works for Rivian. So like I, you know, big, big, you know, asterisks next to this is like, it would be rude of me and inappropriate to like review this. I don't want to frame any of it like that. Yeah. Not that I'm a journalist anyway, but you, you know what I, you know what I mean? I, but I will say, I will say this, like there, I didn't learn anything new that I didn't learn from, you know, professional car journalist reviews of it when they had reviewed the Rivian, but it is it's really nice. Like they, there's a couple of little things here and there that I, that don't feel like to give an example, the, the center stack and all the software that's in it operates perfectly for me. I, I, I only drove this thing for, I don't know, 45 minutes or something. Didn't have any problems with it, but you can also tell it's an early company, right? There just like mm -hmm. actually wasn't that much there. There's, and you know, everything that you, you need baseline and the interface was clean and easy to use, but it also, and I'm not saying they need to be like Tesla where they have a bunch of garbage, extra features and jokes in there, but you can just tell it was like, it's, it's, it's minimalist in design and it's minimalist in its life cycle. And it's, and, you know, it's just, it's right there. The only, the only thing I didn't love, but just like you were saying about your, I thought the regenerative braking was a little aggressive, but I barely even messed with the settings. Like, and in my experience, even in non-EV, you got to figure out how the brakes work. You know, I, the brake, the brake feel on my V90 versus the brake feel on my sports car is wildly different. And yeah. sometimes it takes me, I, I own those vehicles. And sometimes it takes me five minutes to kind of let my feet remember how to do it. It was extremely fast. I did like a, a launch and, you know, all of that stuff. But if you've driven any other, you know, uh, premium EV, it's a very similar thing. I was honored. I, I actually took it to Home Depot because I was uh, staying at my friend's house and helping them do some home repairs. And I put the first piece of lumber that had ever been in the back of that Rivian in it. That it was my, it was literally like $3 worth of you know, one by four trim. Cause I was like fixing a, a screen door, but I really liked it. And I, and I said this, when we talked about Rivian last week, if it fit my use case, which is distance, I'm a distance driver. I take massive multi-thousand mile trips kind of at the drop of a hat. If it could do that and no EV can, I would definitely consider it. It's even better looking in person. I have to say like, that was something I wasn't quite prepped for. Like I've seen a couple on the road and you know, I've seen them around, but actually getting to sit with one and look at it, it was on the 30, it, it was a first edition. So it kind of had all the, the fixings oh, yeah. and it was on 34s. The wheels are great. Like it's handsome. I really, really like it. But for my purposes, I just can't see paying, you know, a hundred thousand dollars or whatever they, they cost uh, at that trim level. But it did make me, and not just cause my friend works there, like he's worked for other auto manufacturers, like, but I am, I am, it did make me kind of feel like. I'm cheering these guys on like they're yeah. having tons of problems. They're not nailing everything, but it's an American new American brand that started with trucks that are doing so much right. And if they were a little, if it were more like a Tesla where half of it is broken and yeah. you have to make apologies for it, I don't think I would feel this way, but that thing's basically perfect right off the line and I want them to do well. So yeah, super stoked. And if you're waiting in line, I know they've had some production 
problems, but like I I I think anybody that gets one will be will be pretty happy. Yeah, those first yeah. edition ones were seventy five grand, which is actually a good deal compared to you know a normal truck is starting at sixty. You know, for a full size nice truck these days. If you got into it when those prices came out, yeah. that it's absolutely worth every every bit of seventy five grand. Yeah, I uh, right now on YouTube, I mean, they must. I mean, I'm seeing photos from friends where they see like truck haulers you know covered in rivians like holy crap check it out if you go on youtube right now and you look for rivian drag race i mean just seems like in the last three days i mean i've watched half a dozen videos of people flooring rivians next to everything you can imagine raptors those trx other evs like model tesla x plaid is faster than rivian but rivian's faster than an electric hummer it turns out probably because of the weight difference but like I mean, it looks it looks ridiculous to see a seventy five hundred pound truck going zero to sixty in three something seconds. Like whew, another mutual friend of mine here, who is a the best driver I I know personally, uh, just an amateur racer, but knows knows from speed, and he he drove the same same Rivian a couple of weeks ago and was like, it's the fastest thing I've ever been in <laughs> from zero to eighty. You know, it's like, of course it gets to a certain point and it's just not going to go any faster, but he's like, it's just wild that this is a truck. I mean, I think that, you know, because he's driven Teslas and, you know, it's like that were probably faster, frankly, but it's like just there's something really wild about being in a big squared off thing that just, yeah, on 34s, all terrains can smoke almost you know anything that's any out there, car so. out there yeah i i saw the the hennessy guy bought one the actual hennessy guy you know from hennessy performance and uh Hoovy's garage guy you know tyler hoover like reviewed a, a plaid someone plaid let him drive it and both of them were like this is just ridiculous you know <laughs> like where, where people have chased like just a few more horsepower for 20 30 years and like this thing just comes out of the box and it's like faster than any production car on earth and it like makes your insides feel gross to get like three to five G's, you know, for 10 seconds over and over and over again actually makes people sick. It's just like, wow, we've kind of gone too far, both of them. But the yeah, it was funny. The Hennessy guy, you know, was like going, I got to know. I just, I have to I have one to know what's possible and what more could I do with it? And he claimed I, he was going to do a bunch of tweaks. But like, yeah, I, I have felt crazy. this before. I have felt this before and not to get too serious on our dumb truck podcast, but with wars happening and, and, you know, global supply chains being threatened over oil largely, I have never been more convinced that EVs and, and then for the people like me who need, you know, uh, range, like a plug-in hybrid, it's just, it's just better. It's just better. And I, and I'm, I, I know that they're, they need to get cheaper. Like the networks need to get better. I understand that a lot of people can't even afford a new car. I'm not shading anybody. If all you can afford is, you know, I don't know even know what the cheapest used car you could buy now. Cause they're so crazy, but you know, if you can only afford a $5,000 to 20 year old, uh, you know, whatever, I, I got no problem with that. That's not my point, but I am at the point now where I'm very comfortable saying we should just stop making gas cars as soon as possible. And it's yeah. happening. But yeah. like, I don't have any, I don't have any reservations at this point. And, and also too, I will just throw in like the, all that speed, all that torque, you know, maybe you don't need it. Nobody needs it, needs it with, you know, like it's fun, but you don't <laughs> need it. But what I will say too, is having had a couple of 
quick-ish trucks. And I'm not, I, I don't drive like a hooligan, especially if I'm in something big that I think is going to be hard to, to stop. It was super nice just to have that below 60 mile an hour, always on torque, just for getting around the city. I got to yeah. get around some vehicle. Like it's, you don't think about it at all. It's always there. And I really think the last, the last step to fully change over into EV and, 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 and hybrids when necessary is just to get people to get butts in seats. And yeah. as soon as people try it, even the biggest rolling coal douchebag in the world is going to very quickly be like, he's going to figure out how to roll coal in an EV because he's still got to <laughs> do that. But they will, everybody's going it, to, it's just, it's, it's I think so that's, good. So. I think that's the Tesla model, which was make things better than gas cars. So it's irrefutable. You know, on paper, you should be driving these. These all make sense logically, but you need to actually excite people. And yeah, I did the same thing with the i3. It was faster than like an, it's supposed to be faster than an M3 from like zero to 30 because it had so much insane torque. And I would let everybody, I would go to a coffee shop. If someone asked, I would throw them the keys and go, seriously, just like go punch it down like the, the nearest biggest road. I, I made like dozens of my friends try it out. It's the same with like electric bikes, e-bikes. Like I worked at a bike shop, you know, I've been a sponsored bike racer and bike performer and all this shit and like always hated it. And there's sort of a, in the bike community e-bikes are seen as like sort of like rollerblades are to uh, skateboarders <laughs> like this this dumb redheaded stepchild that you make fun of but until you put your butt on one and it's like the funnest thing on the planet and it's like i bought two after i test rode one because it was like oh my god this is so great and yeah i think i think these trucks are it's it's unfortunate like if you want a rivian you have to have an 800 horsepower amazing rivian like i kind of wish they made like a middle of the road Rivian that had, oh, I don't know, only like 200 or 300 horsepower, which is like all anyone needs in town. But but yeah, I would love to hear about, I mean, you had a lot of Hummer thoughts before. I watched a long review of the Hummer and I just couldn't believe how insane and stupid the whole project was. And like, why did they go with the Hummer? Why weren't they like making a Bolt style truck? And like, or why wasn't their first truck? A, I thought Colorado should have been their very first EV truck. Like, why did they go with a Hummer, it's like so ridiculous. I mean, I think it's like a stunt move, like probably for marketing. But like when you watch, I mean, I watched a 20 minute review that I'll link in the notes of a uh, Hummer. It's like, it's so big. It has three windshield wipers. They're getting less than one mile per kilowatt, which is bonkers. My i3 got up to four miles a kilowatt. So it's like incredibly inefficient because like a 10,000 pound truck that you know, it's just, it's insane. Like, I don't know why, why didn't they go with like a Colorado as their first one, which is like a normal-ish thing. Is it because of the price points? Like they knew they had to make a Hummer a hundred thousand. Well, I'm real hesitant to talk about this because <laughs> not because I know the answer, but because I know just enough to be wrong, yeah. but, but, to, and, and to be very clear, you know, I haven't, I haven't, uh, taken a dime from General Motors in four or five years at least. I mean, I, I haven't worked with them in a long time, yeah, and, yeah. I, and I have some acquaintances and friends there, but you know, I don't ask them about their work. It's none of my none of my business. But clearly, from the outside, and I mean, this is no secret. The Bolt launched with one set of technology, LG batteries. You know, they had different partnerships, different drivetrains, all that stuff. And then somewhere, and I don't, I, I, I don't know that work stream or or what have you wasn't going to carry them to where they were wanted to go. And so they switched over to what they branded as the Ultium platform. It's a, like a pouch based 
and I think not LG based for the for the lithium suppliers and all that stuff. They basically brought it in house, right? Like and, yeah. and GM at the end of the day, you would think all car companies are this way, but but GM especially. GM lives and dies. The the biggest, most important people inside of GM, at least historically, have been powertrain people, right? They kind of yeah. build the engine first and then they figure out what it's gonna go into. <laughs> And it's not a joke that happens a yeah, lot. Yeah. And no, so that makes sense. what I, what I think, it, what I think basically happened is they, they had a run towards the bolt. They were going to try to get out there first, you know, minus Tesla, but the first of the big, big automakers and they did. And then I just don't think they sold that well for a variety no. of reasons. I will throw, you know, I don't have personal experience with this, but knowing the auto industry, like the, the dealers, I don't think loved them. Oh, That's been a problem for every manufacturer. Yeah. You've got, you know, dealers who were like, I don't want to sell this crap. Like it's not right. real. And so you've got that weird tension. And cuts, so I think when it cuts, their, I feel like uh, car dealerships, 50% of their revenue is um, service and the service is going to go to almost zero with an EV. That, so they, that is they, a very common theory. Yeah, I've never seen any yeah. stats that prove that, but I, but I have no problem believing that that's a, a factor. And, yeah. and then I think some of it is just sheer stubbornness. If we ever wanted to have a car podcast, I would love to give my stock rant about Saturn and what what happens when an auto manufacturer tries to do direct to consumer sales. But I think that was all a big a big factor there. And as far as getting to why they launched with the Hummer as their kind of next EV, although Cadillac Lyric, the really pretty crossovers like yeah. in, in manufacturing, like I don't, I, yeah, don't, I, I'm a Cadillac fan as a, as yeah. a fan, like I, 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 I have owned a couple of Cadillacs that I really enjoyed, but I think they just did the Hummer because I think, and they said publicly, it was a very quick turnaround program for them. I think it was like 18 months or 24 months, which normally wow. a vehicle is, you know, yeah. five years plus. Yeah. I think they, saw Rivian. I think they saw, they probably heard through the grapevine that F-150 Lightning was coming. And I think they went, how can we go do something crazy? Bigger. Halo yeah. model, just like halo with car. the Corvette. It's like, yeah. we're going to do a crazy halo car. What's a crazy halo car we could do? Let's do a Hummer. Then and, we'll do a cheap one that people can afford. And there was an article, I didn't put it in our show notes, but there's an article and I also didn't read it, which is why I didn't put it in the notes. But I saw a headline and a little discussion from Green Car Reports where they, they levied an argument that was effectively, yeah, of course this thing's over the top and silly and stupid, but if it gets some more skeptics to take a look at EVs, is that a bad thing? And, you know, I think you could make a credible argument to say, yes, that is a bad thing. Like, there's yeah. other ways to con convince people. They, my, but, my, my comeback would be they wasted 18 months or 24 months on this ridiculous halo car that nobody can get when they could have been making, you know, a mass market truck. Like what they just, you know, they, they ate up at least a year or two of that pushes them back. I will say not having driven one, I may still try to see if I can wheedle one out of the, the fleet at some point, but I will say the only beef I have with the Hummer really is just its physical size. <laughs> yeah. and it, it's, if it was just a little smaller and it's not an efficiency thing, it's literally just a, that thing looks like a pain in the ass to drive around question but but to me it's the same as like uh it, it's the same as like a, a corvette and yeah. you know corvette is corvette is a halo to show how good uh, general motors chevy's engineering is and they do it by you know competing with supercars and hypercars for a fraction of the price 
This is kind of sort of that, except there's, you know, they're, they're not really competing with anybody except Rivian at the moment. But I also wouldn't be surprised if, you know, if you fast forward five years from now, I don't think Hummer is going to be a big pillar of the General Motors universe. I think yeah. Silverado EV and, you know, all the other EVs that the 20 some odd EVs that they're getting ready to build will be a bigger factor. I will just to prove that I'm not in the, you know, a shill for, for big, <laughs> big, big, big Renson is I think that Silverado EV prototype is God awful looking. It's one of the ugliest things I've seen in a while. And the, but then it's the same design language as the Equinox EV, the little crossover, and it looks that looks good there. So I really hope that very soon, or if they don't kill it before it comes out, I think they well they can't because I guess they already started taking reservations. I really think they should just do Ford strategy, frankly, which is just have it have the Silverados yeah, and yeah. the. And the GMCs just the same design and or or look very similar, but I don't, I just don't think for mass market adoption people want the trucks to look that that crazy. And frankly, yeah. I think it's going to be a factor for Rivian if they make it and they go for a while and they start wanting to build something more full size. You know, they may be in a point where they have to kind of back out some of the crazier design language. But yeah, Hummer, great, fine. It's toy. It's it's silly. Maybe they'll sell 10,000 of them, but it, it doesn't really tell the, the story very well. Haven't seen an off-road review yet. Have you? I've seen a couple, you know, early like Rivian employees let people borrow them and go up some. No, I mean the Hummer. Have you seen any oh, oh, Hummer uh... EV off-road? No, I mean, they, this one video I saw, I think it was the Throttle House people or somebody like that. They, I think it was snow. They did some snow wheeling. It comes with 35 inch tires, which is insane for efficiency. <laughs> like, you know, that tire weighs 100 pounds. Like, that's crazy. Yeah, no, I haven't seen. I think it was snowing everywhere. I've seen people reviewing them, but it would be interesting to see, like, what do they do in California desert and stuff. But I think, I mean, on your, on your EV long range problems, I think Tesla is the only one that's got like a pretty competent network of chargers. You know, road trips are just kind of out of the question with most of these things. And, you know, Rivian's trying to put adventure chargers because that's the other thing that like you go to Moab or you go to Yosemite. I mean, there are few and far between chargers and it takes you hours to even get to those places. And then, you know, there's no way you're going to have a full tank of batteries to wheel all day, but. I don't even know if you are this elegant and you did this on purpose, but the, I, I had to do my next segment, which is uh, what's my next truck? Sure. Because I said last week that I was going to buy the Ranger Raptor. And then I, it's like, this is not even news. It's literally just like something I said, some random person said in a forum, but it made me go, well, what if, what if that <laughs> happens? But there was a rumor, I guess you could call it that there may be a, a Ranger Raptor variant that's going to be a plug-in hybrid. So now my whole plans are screwed because my plan had been since EV trucks aren't quite ready and I need to get moving on building my next truck soon, or I'm going to go insane. I was just going to buy a Raptor, except that it was going to be terrible on gas, but it was, wouldn't have to touch the suspension or do anything else. It'd be ready to go. And now there's a rumor that there's going to be a pH, a plug-in hybrid version, which you know, of course, my first thought was great. It'll be, you know, maybe it'll be better on the, on the like highway mileage and all that stuff, but it, you know, as I've already expressed earlier in the, in the, well, yeah, in earlier in the podcast, I actually don't know how any vehicles work and certainly not when it comes to EVs. People were talking about how much, how it would actually potentially be a higher level trim. I don't know if they'd call it like a Raptor R, but that it would actually have more power because it's going to have more torque and, you know, might have some assistance. So my whole world is shattered. 
I don't know what I'm doing. 2023, is it going to come out in 2023? Like I know the Ranger Raptor will, or will it come out in 2024? But I I think the good news for us is that this, what's my next truck segment? You thought it would be done in episode two. No, we're going to episode 200 at least (laughs) until I actually decide and get something. So I just sent you a link of the Ford Ranger will get a PHEV in Europe for 2023 for sure, which has a lot of horsepower, sure. shit tons of torque. The Ranger is effectively not an American truck. It's an, it's yeah. an, uh, an Australian truck. Oh, right. well, no, I mean, it's, it's a Ford. It's just not a U.S. Yeah. market thing. And, and yeah. so they brought the global platform over. But, you know, some of the higher level trims and things are, you know, for Australia and I think Southeast Asia, I think also has a few, like the the market firm's pretty good there. But they had announced in the 6th Gen Ranger, the one that's coming out next year or or this year in Europe and Australia, is that they have to, because of regulations, have a a plug-in hybrid version. And that was initially what I thought I was going to get because I was like, I don't need to buy a Raptor. I <laughs> you just, can you, Raptorize you know, like, it. Right. I can, I can lift it and I can put a, you know, better coilovers or whatever on it. But like, I'm not that hardcore. I'm not a hardcore wheeler at all in my campers. And really this is what it will be. It's a, you know, it's a platform for all my, my, you know, my van life bullshit. And I was like, you know, mileage is probably better. That's, you know, that'll be fine. And then I just got wooed by the beauty and the width and the dumbassness of the Raptor. And I was like, well, I just, I'll just do the Raptor. And so there will certainly be, I, I, I don't know for certain, and Ford hasn't said, there will certainly be though, I, this has got to be a plug-in hybrid version that comes to the US yeah. at some point. But yeah. is that going to be 2025? Like, I, I, yeah. I, I do just want to throw in there real quick too. And, and honestly, probably could have saved till the end, but when we were talking about Rivians and off-road, Dan Edmonds, who's worked for a few different people, but he used to be a like a vehicle dynamics engineer for a couple of companies. He does a bunch of these ramp tests for trucks, largely mm-hmm. to show like what their articulation and clearance and all that stuff is. And yeah. he's a car and driver now and just did a video showing the Rivians. And I won't even go into it. We've talked about Rivian plenty, but it's <laughs> it's worth watching if you're into suspension. He goes right into like how the links are set up and oh, nice. you know, what, what the different drive modes do. And there's a couple little surprising bits in there that I wouldn't have thought uh, the, the off-road mode maybe is not as good in all situations as you would think it would be. So if you look up Dan Edmonds' car and driver, that was that was that was good. Uh, nice. Good yeah, rad. Any cool trucks you saw this week? No, not really. <laughs> I've been out here. I mean, I saw the Rivian, but I it gave it its own its own thing. Like I haven't seen anything that's been particularly cool. I did see. We can put it in the show notes. I saw. There's a really great guy. I don't know who he is, except all the other car weirdos that I'm friends with also follow him, but I love his stuff. Uh, his, his Twitter handle is uh, Midnight Dorifto Team Radar Love, and uh, he's got such great taste. He finds such weird things at auctions and things, and it's just a, a cherished follow for me. But wow. he did have, he's, he's got a, uh, he had found like a Brazilian chopped up truck that was all fiberglass, like a complete custom thing, but it was tiny. And that's actually, that was the inspiration for me to, for Ute the Bolt. I was like, Oh, oh, what if, what if it was that, but it was EV. So, but no, that's, I didn't see in real life. I didn't see anything. (laughs) When I, when I went to sell the Sprinter, I met a guy in a parking lot who eventually did buy it. And next to me was a Lincoln Blackwood, that crazy luxury truck. I haven't seen one in five or 10 years. It's kind of become famous on the internet for being this weird one year car that was, it was just for retired grandpas with a lot of money that wanted the super nicest truck in 2002. And they cost oh, yeah, 60 my, grand back thing. then. 
I mean, it was like a, it'd be like selling a F-150 for a hundred grand today, you know, that just had the greatest leather in the world or something. But yeah, I have not seen one on the street in a long time. And I, I didn't take any photos of it, but we the other- get one of those for now, probably too much, but two years ago, I yeah. gotten those for a song. Oh, I'm sure they were dirt cheap, but now they're kind of like internet famous for being so weird. But the one thing that stuck out to me in media, which you say don't, doesn't count, is I was watching the Netflix comedy series with uh, Will Arnett. Was it called Murderville? And it's a hilarious uh -huh. premise of it's like a mystery show in 30 minutes where, you know, they follow sort of a it's a comedy show. But uh, they follow sort of a law and order where they like interview three people about a murder has happened. And it's kind of like Encyclopedia Brown level of of <laughs> mysteries to solve but the 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 joke of the whole thing the premise of the show is that he just brings on a famous-ish person and they improvise every scene everything's improvised and one of them's marshawn lynch <laughs> like he's not most of them are improv comedians and so they're very funny like conan o'brien is one of the guests and you know will arnett's just being this crazy cop with a mustache who's screaming all the time and then the people are just reacting to it but the best thing is involved in this somehow. Yes. Will Arnett, for no reason, <laughs> it's never stated. He drives a pristine 80s restored Dodge Rampage, which is incredible. Like it's the original sort of you like very Ute, tiny Those are Dodge. The, they look like a brat, right? Like, yeah, it's like kind of like, yeah. it's kind of like Dodge tried to make an El Camino, but like as a compact. So it's really small. It's whatever their like K car mid 80s platform was. They just made a truck out of it. But I haven't, I mean, they're so rare, so hard to see one. And this one was in, it's kind of like uh, Breaking Bad, how, you know, the Pontiac Aztec was a character on the show that was never mentioned, never talked about. But I understood why they picked the worst car for like a guy down on his luck, you know, like it just fit. So I, it's so weird why they picked this. I mean, someone who works on the show must know cars and picked a really strange and it's like pretty nice, you know, it's not factory it looks nice as hell i've never seen anyone mod one i've you know i'd love to see a tiny hemi or something in one i'd love to see a customizer go nuts with one but that's the closest you can get on murderville on netflix you know what we should do since we basically don't actually have an audience and for some reason i just think it's funny to say that we do but <laughs> somebody that we could actually get as a guest that might be really interesting is if we could find somebody in hollywood whose job it is to cast cars yeah, that would be car, I, I would love cast. to talk to somebody about like, Dude, yeah, like how there has how to be a car up? casting agent. There's got to be. Yeah, 100 percent. There's got to yeah, be. Yeah, like when uh, I'll, I'll ask, ask, I'll ask uh, my famous Hollywood friends. Yeah, I'll ask my bills. Hollywood friends. I have a few in uh, when I was on the Universal lot a few years ago, a friend who worked. Oh, I was joking for, and you're just being a. Prick, oh, no, it's for real. It. Yeah, some old Internet <laughs> friends. Old internet friend is like a big wig at NBC Universal. And, and we were doing a tour. Of, I was at Universal Studios and I stopped by his office and then we kind of drove around. He's actually a Bolt owner, a happy Bolt owner. Hey. He, uh, he was showing me like the car comp, like an impound lot, but just for Hollywood, for Universal Studios. They had vinyl printing and people doing uh, vinyl wraps of they had black and white. Oh, what do you call it? What the fuck's the old platform, the like the taxi cab, the Lincoln. Oh, Yeah. I don't uh, know what they're called. I, I can't think about. of the word right now. But yeah, those are standard like 2005 cop cars. They had them in black and white and they just reprinted like what's on the doors. So I saw a truck carrier loaded with all these black and white cop cars. And it was like they had six different states seals on the door. So like they're filming something about Mississippi. So it's like, you know, the Mississippi Highway Patrol. And then you saw like New York NYPD stickers on some. It was hilarious. Like 
it was amazing to see. He was showing us. Well, the this, might, this is more doable than I thought it was. We'll have to. We'll yeah, have to this I, one there's got to be someone in casting that does cars because, yeah, it doesn't come up. And the funniest part of Murderville it never comes up. No one ever comment. No, I mean, you know, it's a joke in some other what's the uh, mystery show I was watching. Oh, Dick Town. There's this hilarious YouTube. I mean, a uh, Hulu animated film that, that show with John Hodgman and David Reese, uh, who used to get your war on, they drive a Fiero. And the whole point is like David Reese's character is supposed to be a loser. And like this, he's got this 80s Fiero that barely runs. And that's kind of they constantly refer to it as a joke. But the rampage, it's just there. And you're just like, why is it there? That's hilarious. That's amazing. This is a weird out of touch dude. Of course, he'd drive a weird out of touch car, you know. That's not normal, but yeah. No, that's good. Casting. I haven't watched all of it. I watched the Marshawn Lynch episode, and I was shocked at how funny he is. So yeah, I, I, I will take that as uh, it just it first. shows up. It shows up for four seconds in two or three episodes. Just you know, we gotta go over there, and then you see him get out of the rampage, and I'm going, "Fuck, that's a cool ass rampage, like red with blacked out wheels." Like, tell me more, and just yeah. Any any last bits? before we wrap up any last bits no i think i'm good you we we could talk about some of the work you've done to some of your trucks but maybe we can save that for uh where we have a little more time to to talk through it i don't want to run run too long but. <laughs> well i just want to say the one thing i did recently was got this overland exhaust made by magnaflow and it like gave me about six more inches of clearance on the back like because the pipe would go below the bumper you know and get crushed so i was sure. like oh i'm i'm interested in that for for it's for the like phys for the physics of it but i've never had a magnaflow <laughs> exhaust on something i know they're like they can't oh. be obnoxious and so it's a big v8 you know on the on the gx uh, 470 you know it's a huge v8 so i get it installed i'm like great you know i've got four or five more inches of clearance in the back this is awesome and then <laughs> i'm driving it it's like it's a little throatier it's a little lower but there's this <laughs> There's this one moment, if you're going about 20, 25 miles an hour and you punch it and it downshifts, I could only describe the sound as like, it's a Stephen King uh, movie about a vehicle that murders people and it's just seeing you <laughs> and it's pointed at you and it's coming after you. Like that is what the V8 sounds like. Just the one exhaust note is insane when you floor it. Congratulations, because that, in my opinion, is the perfect exhaust. The exhaust yeah. that doesn't get too obnoxious, but if you know... You want to be obnoxious? How to make one, it obnoxious? Yeah, yeah one. That's the, That's the one. Sweetest, one so. time I was in stop and go traffic, going through a tunnel. I know tunnels are big with exhaust guys on YouTube. West of Portland, there's a big tunnel on the freeway, and it was coming down to you know I was in that 20, 30 mile an hour range. So I rolled down my windows. I was like, oh, here we go, and I floor it, and it was so loud. I mean, I had to stop immediately. It was insane, like screaming loud, bouncing back at me. How much you pay for that? What's a Magnaflow uh, exhaust going for these days? I think it was like 750 bucks. And then maybe it was 100 that's bucks not, to terrible. install. I didn't, I mean, it's like, it would take me four or five hours to install on my back or I got an exhaust guy with a lift. You know, he did it in one hour for 100 bucks. So, yeah. I mean, I'll make fun of you later. One of the beauties <laughs> of trucks is that you can get underneath them without a lift. But I guess, you know, I'll, I'll, yeah lift helps like yeah it's a it night there's help. so many connections yes okay <laughs> i mean i in in complete transparency i mean i i've I, you know done plenty of on my back in a crappy garage installs but generally when i can i my friend here in kansas city and since i drive across the country all the time has a lift and nice. so i i sometimes will ship parts to him and come in for a weekend and just oh, be like, nice. mm, you know, let me use your air tools in a lift and get this done quick instead of my like 
Harbor Freight, you know, ratchet <laughs> set and yeah. the Brooklyn Brooklyn parking garage. So I'm not really shaming you, but I want to hey, hear it. Maybe maybe next time you can take, take a video. I, I want to hear what it sounds like. Yeah, I also want to do a video of the Mavericks turn signals, which are bonkers. Like it's so it's just a silly sound, and I finally tracked it down to like 70s electronica. So I need to make a video yeah. for that. Oh, that's good. We'll put it on the award-winning Stepside TikTok channel. Yeah, that yeah, that, we'll yeah. Everyone knows about anytime. already. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Uh, <laughs> All right, man. Talk to you this week. All right. Talk soon. All right. Bye bye.